reading from the prophecy of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but all were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did all his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. 
The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Our next two readings are taken from the book of Hebrews. The first one is Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 15, and that will be followed by Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, starting in Hebrews 9. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, that is, not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And in Hebrews 4, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. 
And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Great to see you here. And let me just say... um, A very big word of thanks to those who financially contributed to the Organ Refurbishment uh, Fund. It's been wonderful to see its showcase this morning and we're going to have a marvellous 
uh, organ recitals to finish off today. Uh, I've just got a few notices and then I'm going to give a short message. And Max has said miracles are going to happen today. So anyway, we'll see what takes place. Now, I want to say, first of all, um, there is a breakfast following this morning's service. Hot breakfast cooked by William and a number of other helpers. And we would love everyone to come out and join us for a hot breakfast. It's just a gold coin donation. If you've got no money, just come anyway. We are warmly inviting you to come and we'd love you to be out there for the fellowship that will take place. Now, if you are a visitor here or not regular to St. Matt's, there's a Connect card inside your bulletin. We'd love you to fill it in and let us know that you've been here. We'd love to be in touch and help you connect. If you're a regular or if you've just got any questions, please do let us know. Put them on the card. There's a number of boxes you can tick or you can just give some comments or questions on the back. And if you could give them to Max or myself after the service, that'd be great. Now, a number of things coming up. The Soul Course is starting next term uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Sorry, next week on Sunday, the 21st of October. It runs during our 10 o'clock service, so you can come to 8 o'clock, stay behind for a cup of tea, and then join the course. It's a wonderful introduction to the Christian faith. It goes through Mark's Gospel. Ben Adamo, one of our ministers, is leading the course. And everyone who's done it has found it very helpful in terms of, if I can say, a refresher or a first look at what the Christian faith is about by looking at who our Lord Jesus is. There's no cost. You won't be put on the spot with questions, but you can bring all your questions to be asked in the course of the weeks that run. It runs for about six weeks, um, so that's coming up. If you'd like to join, please do let myself or Max know. Now, with the next term series, we're starting next week. It's called Better Together. It's a reflection practically on the doctrine of the church and what it means to have a gospel-shaped community. There's a number of things that will take place as is normal in our end-of-year commitment series. But if I can just make mention of one, which is our Serve Manly event over at the Manly Village Public School behind us. Uh, every year we've gone and done a backyard blitz to just love the community. Uh, that is on again next Saturday. And uh, if you'd like to sign up, please do see William after the service. Uh, so that we can get your name down and he can allocate jobs for you ahead of time. It starts at 9, it finishes at 1. There's a barbecue that runs to feed everyone. If you can't come then but you can come earlier, there is a 7 o'clock early shift that runs uh, that does a couple of hours early before everyone else gets there. And if you'd like to do that, please just let William know. Last thing is that the park's mission trip in terms of drought relief uh, is going out in a month's time, uh, sorry, just under a month, on Sunday the 4th of November. And there's some practical needs. If you can't go, which I take it most of us can't, uh, but you'd still like to help, there's a number of things that they are wanting to take out with them. Care packages, Coles and Woolworth vouchers. Uh, they're wanting to re-fence two kilometres of fencing and uh, replace that. Good luck to those going, I say. But anyway, uh, it's $3 a running metre if you'd like to give a, contribu a contribution towards that, um, as well as a number of other things. If you'd like to have a look at your weekly email, it's got the full list. If, you've got, uh, if you'd like to help with that, please just uh, contact the office, uh, or you could see myself or Max. That's it in terms of the notices. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to reflect on that last reading we had from Martin, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Father, we do thank you that we can be here this morning. And I do pray as we just stop and pause briefly uh, from the great praise that we have been undertaking of you and your son, the Lord Jesus, to reflect on what it means to serve you in this world. Father, be with us and speak to us from your word, particularly from this great exhortation in Hebrews. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me for uh, coughing slightly. I'm still recovering from my virus I had, 
and I've got that post-viral cough. Now, I want to start with a trivia question. I wonder if you know what is the longest foot race in the world? Now, if you've ever been to trivia competitions, here's one to learn. Um, and there's numbers of long races, and if you think a 42-kilometre marathon is long, well, it's got nothing on some of the races that are in the world. And there's lots of what are called ultra-marathons. Um, one goes across the Arctic Circle. Uh, you just think, why on earth would you want to race across there? But anyway, they do. Um, there's others that race up mountains. There's some that race in the desert. But the longest race is called the self-transcendent 3,100-mile race which in kilometres is even longer, some four and a half thousand kilometres. And it was created by a man called Sri Chimoy. And this is a description of the race. The race calls on runners with tremendous courage, physical stamina, concentration, and the capacity to endure fatigue, boredom, and minor injuries. Runners cover 3,100 miles in 52 days by running, I kid you not, 5,649 laps around one block in Queens of New York City. It is a bizarre race, you might say. And they basically pass the same playgrounds, ball fields, high schools, every day and all on the most punishing of surfaces apparently for running, which is concrete. Successful runners have to cover 60 miles a day or 100 kilometres every day. And you might ask, what is the prize for winning this crazy race? And there is the winner and you think, the longest race in the world, that's the finish line? This is what they win, a plastic trophy. I kid you not, and a scrapbook with photos. It all seems to me uh, rather weird and apparently they do it to gain tr self-transcendent. I just think they gain a torture trip. But anyway, it's not a lucrative career. It costs $1,200 to enter and they don't even recoup their costs if they win. Now I mention that because you just think this is just such a long, arduous race that's described here. But we've had described in our reading that Martin read an even longer race and some might say it's even more arduous, more difficult than running for 3,100 miles for 60 days around blocks in Queens of New York City. It's the race of being a Christian. And I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, it was very vivid, uh, my experience, and I've recounted that on a number of occasions. And I was roughly the age of 20. And one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was, that this decision was a decision for life. That as I gave my life to the Lord Jesus, this was not something you just did for a season. But it actually was something that you were deciding was your whole orientation for where you were heading for the rest of your life. And we come to this great exhortation at the end of, uh, if I can say, this service of hymns and Bible readings. And it's a, a wonderful passage that's well known by many people. And I want to read just the first verse to start us off. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And what this small script, uh, section of scripture does here is basically exhort us to take hold of the faith that we've been given in Christ 
and encourage us, exhort us, call us to keep running with perseverance. Now, if you read through Hebrews, you'll know chapter 11 is one of the famous chapters. It's the chapter of faith. And it describes, just if I could say, the hall of faith of the many saints of particularly the Old Testament who have run the race of following the living God. And they have persevered to the end. And they have done that often with great cost and with great opposition. And he says, with this in mind, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who persevered to the end and who in faith did not live for this world, but lived by the promise that there is a world coming. He says, I want you to remember them. I want you to be encouraged by them and throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, as a younger man, I did enjoy running. Um, And when I was at school, I used to always look forward to the athletics contests. Uh, In my primary years, I didn't do so well, although I was up sort of at the top end of life uh, in terms of the athletics track. But when I got to high school, I actually began to do quite well and started to win races and was invited to represent the school and compete at what was called the Combined Associated Schools competitions. And we even made it to the state titles on one occasion. Uh, The one thing I never liked was the uniforms they gave us to wear. Uh, Now, I was kind of dripping wet 69 kilos back in those days, but the same height, there wasn't much of me. And yet we'd be given these ridiculously short, short, short shorts that were of the most thin cotton material, apparently because they helped us run faster. I just thought they made me look ridiculous, but anyway... And some of the jocks in my year who had big, broad chests, they didn't mind the singlets that we'd have to wear. I kind of just swam in it, even though I was meant to be running in it. Um, Yet that's what we had to wear. And it was all in the name of, if I can say, reducing resistance, lowering the weight in terms of... So you could run fast. These silly little blue cotton shorts and red singlets we wore. But you did it because you wanted to cast off everything that would hinder you so that you could run fast. And you see, that's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying to us. And he says, basically, there is stuff that hinders us and sin that entangles us. Cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. One of the important lessons of life to persevere as a Christian is this. We must realise that our destiny and our home is not this world. And one of the great reasons why people bog down in their Christian life, become unfruitful in this Christian life, is because of the way this world attaches itself to them. And they start to wear it and love it and live for it. And rather than having the focus of a destiny which is beyond this world, which is promised in the Word of God and by faith we live for, we take our eyes and vision off that great reality and start living for this world. And I'd encourage you to go back and read chapter 11 because it's striking for the way people put aside the passion to live for this world to by faith seek a better and lasting world. And his summary on the matter is this, cast off the stuff 
that hinders you in living for that day. Do not get entangled by the things that are sinful that drag you away from that day. It weighs us down. It makes us unproductive. And he'll go on in this book to, seek, uh, to speak of those who are actually losing their way completely and to call them back. Do not fall away, he says. The race of the Christian is to race to the end, to heaven. That is our finishing line. That is our destiny. And that is what, by faith, we are seeking. And so if I can encourage you here today, may that be the goal of your life. I was thinking about this because I wonder in the history of the world whether, whether there has ever been a time when people have had so much stuff and so many things to occupy themselves apart from the Christian faith. It strikes me we live, if I can say, with the benefits of an incredible era of prosperity. And Australia really has never been as rich as what it is today. And we have so much stuff that can occupy us, so much stuff that we can give ourselves to, so much stuff that can capture our hearts. And my encouragement to us all is to cast it off in the sense of do not let it be the thing that we live for. Do not let it be the thing that captures our heart and our minds and we worship. I remember as a young Christian meeting the famous jungle doctor, Paul White. Um, I wonder if you know or remember the jungle doctor. Uh, He was a medical missionary to Africa but had to return after just three years of service. But he used those experiences to be translated into books that he wrote for children to explain the gospel to kids and became one of the great children's evangelists in the country. And I had the great pleasure when I was converted at 20 to meet Paul. He was a part of my congregation. And he used to love to come and be with the young people to encourage them. And my wife, who was on staff, uh, told me one day when we were married that Paul was not well and we went to the hospital to visit him at the end of his life. It was a very striking visit. I can remember it to this day. He lay there in bed, smiling, but yet you knew he was not well. But even in these last days, he was running so faithfully the race. And there were two things that struck me. Even as he was dying, there was this great joy and intentionality about his witness to the Lord Jesus. He said, oh, I've been telling all the nursing staff, I'm okay, don't worry about me. I'm going to a much better place. And with great joy witnessed to the nursing staff and the medical staff about the Lord Jesus and the assurance of salvation that he had. It was such a telling and powerful experience to see the confidence he had in Christ, the perseverance he was running with. But I also never forget when I asked him this question, how are you, Dr. White?, He leaned forward and with a croaky voice, I can do it quite well today, the devil is still at me. (laughs) I remember thinking, blimey, (laughs) you're 80 and he's still at you. (laughs) Thinking I'm having enough trouble at 21 or 24 or whatever the age I was at the time. And there was still this sense of battle that was going on. Even in the midst of the joy and the delight 
that he had that he was that much closer to glory, he knew that the devil was still there working. And his passion was to live faithfully to the end. It's worth asking the question, how does someone keep persevering like that? Well, the answer is in verse 2 and 3, and I want to finish with these words. The writer to Hebrews says, in answer to the question we might have, well, how do you persevere well? How do you run well? He says, well, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And we couldn't have a better word said to us to encourage us and to help us to be faithful in persevering in running the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on yourself, not on the things of this world, not on the trials or the sufferings we may go through, not on the glory that this world offers, but fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that. He's won victory at the cross. He's endured it, scorning its shame. And think about this. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is risen. He's on the throne today. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so, friends, when we attempted to grow weary, when we're feeling weak of spirit, when the world captures our attention, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, and run the race with perseverance. Let me pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for our great Saviour and your Son, the Lord Jesus. Father, we say sorry for the things, the times when this world has captured our heart, when sin has taken hold. Father, we turn from them today. Father, we look heavenward to your Son, the Lord Jesus, and we consider him. Father, fill us with strength by your Spirit to run the race with perseverance until our very last days. May we know the joy of knowing you, Lord, the comfort, the assurance, and may you fill our heart with strength to persevere, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish with a wonderful song, Now Thank We All Our God, followed by the organ recital, and then we're going to have the blessing, and then afterwards, please do come and join us for breakfast.